continuing the, my first initial sermon series today called Let's Dance. And if you were here with us last week, I was surprised of the level of participation. So I ask you to, again to say those two words with me, let's dance, let's dance, right? And that's where we're getting at today. And if you are new with us or you're visiting with us, my name is Jeff and I'm new as well, right? Somewhat new and the fact that uh, this is my first full week is serving as your senior pastor and it's been a fantastic week. Man, I've told people it's felt like a month, but in a good way, right? In terms of getting to know so many people, I really, I truly appreciate those who've reached out to me, stopped by the church office. Um, we've had some good breakfasts, some good dinners, some good conversations. And uh, this week, I'm grateful that uh, my wife, Laurie, and my two younger daughters have been able to come up and visit uh, with us. And uh, so many of you have asked, when are we moving up here? We'll be fully moved up here, God willing, by the end of the month. Um, and so um, we're still in transition, we're still in time, so... I thank you, Laurie thanks you, our family thanks you for your continued prayers and support of us as we get started here with New Providence Presbyterian Church. Um, and so as we do uh, today, uh, uh, go back to this image of a dance. Like last week we talked about how leadership is like a dance. Right, there's someone who's leading and guiding, there's also someone who's following. And in that process it takes time, it takes uh, forming new memories, it, forms, it requires learning how to trust. And so these opening weeks with you, uh, my goal and prayer is that I will share with you some of the key topics and convictions that have shaped my faith and leadership in Christ, with the goal that you'll have a window into my faith, my faith journey, but also my convictions in terms of what it means to serve as a pastor. And so in many ways, I'm bringing, some of, uh, some, I'm bringing a set of moves to you, not dance moves, right, but moves to you that over time, you'll get a sense of who I am and my faith. And then moving forward, these will be topics that will be developed in the sermon series in the years ahead. And so I want to bring those initial thoughts to you. So today, the focus of today is that we are God's precious possession forever. Right? That God has made the way in Christ that we could be included in his family as God's precious possession forever. And so as we think about being included in God's family, I want to start today's sermon with a question. When in your life, when has there been a time in your life when you have felt excluded? As you play the movie of your life, as you think about all the different memories, when has there been a time in your life when you have felt excluded, like on the outside or as an outsider? It's a horrible feeling, isn't it? As I think about my life, I mean, for, as I think about my life, there's different times when that's been the case. And some of you, that might have been something you've experienced early in life. Maybe for others, it's something that's been more recent. Uh, but that feeling of being excluded stings. Uh, as I reflect on my life, one of my earliest memories of feeling excluded actually was here in this town during high school. Uh, and during a transition into high school, lots of my friendships changed. And also my dad, uh, his job was transferred up to New Hampshire, so he began to commute, leaving at the earliest of mornings, like 4 a.m. on Monday morning, driving up to New Hampshire, working all week and coming back Friday night. And so in many ways, during high school, I lost that time with my dad. And during that time, I felt lost going into high school, and I was looking for new friends, and I was part of the marching band. Right, I played baritone horn, low brass, right, loved that. And so it was part of marching band, and one of the first weekends, we went away for band camp. And I remember them saying, okay, we're going to sign up for cabins. And one of my new friends, we said, no matter what, we're going to be in the same cabin. 
And so as practice ended, everyone took off seemingly running to go sign up for the cabins. And I got there late. And as I showed up, I wanted to put my name on the list with my friend. And I saw that he was the last name on one of the cabins. And so I, there was no more room. I tried to put my name at the bottom as maybe I'd like sleep on the floor or something. He said, no, you need to find another cabin. And, and I remember finding that friend saying, hey, come on, let's go to another cabin. And he said, no, I'm staying in that cabin. And I had to go to a whole different cabin with people I didn't want to be with. And I felt left out and excluded. I mean, looking back, it doesn't seem like a big deal, right? But in that moment as a freshman in high school, that stung. And I was bitter for many years. I had to give that to God and forgive that person. But it's a horrible feeling to feel excluded, isn't it? Right? And it's been like that throughout human history. Right, because of the brokenness of this world, the sin that's so real that, that, that people, whether by their, sometimes by their own decisions, but usually because of the decisions of others, feel excluded. And this happened in the first century. There was a group of people, a large group of people, who felt excluded from God's family. They felt on the outside. But Jesus changed that because Jesus changes everything. Right, and we see that in the first century, in the first century letter uh, that was written by the Apostle Paul to a group of Christians in the city of Ephesus. And this letter was then circulated throughout that region. Right? In the book of Ephesians, it details how God made the way for people to be included into his family as God's precious possession forever. And these non-Jewish people, these Gentiles, they felt like they were on the outside. But the Apostle Paul, with the good news of Jesus, let them know, no, they could also be on the inside. So that's what we're going to focus on today. And we're going to look at two verses in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And we're going to dig in deep on just these two verses. And sometimes when I preach, we're going to go through a large section of Scripture like we did last week with 18 verses with Jesus as the Good Shepherd. Other times, we're going to take like a magnifying glass onto one or two verses and dig deep. Because every time I open the Bible... I feel like it's a treasure hunt because there's always treasures in the text. And my prayer and hope for you as a church and church family is that you'll come to a point where every time you open up the Bible, it's not going to be dry and boring or something you have to do, but something you get to do. Because in here are treasures, treasures of God's love, treasures of God's grace, and treasures of God's truth, truth that could set you free from so many things. And so today we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, and we're going to go phrase by phrase as we unearth these treasures, which will reveal that God has made the way for us to be included in his family as his precious possession forever. I'm going to read the whole passage, these two verses to start. Starting in verse 13, we read, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. All right, amen. This is God's word. And so as we look at this passage, we're just going to dive right in. Right in the beginning here, again, set This letter was sent to a group of Christians, mostly who did not have a Jewish background, and they felt like they were on the outside. And here in in these passages, in the beginning, we see, he says, and you also, 
right? You also, meaning that the good news of Jesus, right, the good news of what it means to follow him is not just meant for the Jewish people, it's for you also. It's for anyone who wants to be open to God in their life. He says, you also, what? And he says, you were included, right? We're included in Christ. And this is a powerful word for a people who felt excluded, who felt like they were on the outside, who felt like they were outsiders. Here, the Apostle Paul is telling these Christians, look, because of Jesus, you are included in Christ. And this means when he says you're included in Christ, it's not, it doesn't mean just because of uh, nice ideas or something of this world. There's something supernatural. When you were included, he's saying you're included in Christ, in faith in him. So he goes on, he says, when, when did this happen? He says, when you believed, right, when you believed, you included Christ, when, first he said, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Let me go back to that. He says, when you heard the message of truth. So here, these Christians had heard this message from the Apostle Paul, this message about Jesus, that this, this man, this Jewish carpenter, was so much more than a carpenter. He was more than a good teacher. That this man who lived but then was crucified on a cross, a Roman cross in real time, was dead and buried, and on the third day was resurrected from life to back to life. And they heard this message about the good news of Jesus, that he died for the forgiveness of their sins. And they heard this message of truth. And Paul describes it as the gospel of your salvation. Right, gospel, right? This word which would have echoed in, it would have been an echoing uh, word in their ears because gospel at that time, that word meant an announcement of victory. Right, when the Roman troops went off to fight wars, right, when they fought battles, when they came back in victory, they would have a parade. And as the parade came in and they would be bringing the captives with them, there would be this announcement of victory. We won, we won. And this announcement of victory was called a gospel. And it's this announcement of victory here that Paul draws on that word. Not a military victory, but a victory by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, over sin, over evil, and over death itself. And it's the gospel, not of just salvation, but of, he says, of your salvation. It's personal. It's, it's a divine rescue operation that God set into place by sending his son Jesus to set us free to set us free from the power of sin, to set us free from the fear of evil, to set us free from death itself, both physical and also spiritual. So here Paul reminds him, he's like, he's like this is, you've heard this message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Well, what happened then? As we continue in this verse, we see that he says, when you believe, he says, when you actually put your trust in this, right? A mentor and pastor and author from the West Coast named Earl Palmer once said, he says, belief equals trusting and trusting in Christ means trusting in the trustworthiness of who he is and what he's done. Here Paul reminds me that you believed that Jesus was who he said he was. He did what he did for the right for the reasons that were shared. He says and when you believed then what happened? Something supernatural happened. He says you were marked in him with a seal. Right? The promised Holy Spirit. So when these Christians, when these people put their faith and trust in Jesus, that they believed that he truly died for their sins, that he was resurrected in real time, that something supernatural happened, that they were marked, they were given the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? God's personal and powerful presence in their lives. And they were marked with a seal, right? A seal is, I mean, much if you think about in that time, cattle were branded with a seal. 
And that seal would be a mark of ownership and a mark of protection. So here Paul is saying, you were marked by God's spirit. And in that, there was a sense of ownership. You're mine. You're mine. And not just that you're mine, but that you will be protected. You will be protected by me personally from the testings and trials in this life. You'll be protected, and I'll be with you as you go through it, much like many of the songs that we just sang. So here, this is promised. Those who believe were marked with, this, with the Holy Spirit as a seal. And what was the purpose of this? It was, as we move on to verse 14, who, he's a deposit, this Holy Spirit's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Right? Like putting down a down payment saying, here, we're gonna guarantee that what's gonna happen in the future is going to happen, that the contract that's been signed is gonna be completed. And this Holy Spirit was given to these people, to these dear Christians, as a deposit saying, yes, you are mine and you are mine forever, forever. And it's a guarantee, right? He goes on guaranteeing, he says, our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. And so for those who are wondering, okay, is this something, is this too good to be true? If we put faith in Christ, is he gonna leave me behind? Is, am I gonna lose that sense of connection to God? Paul's saying, no, this is guaranteed. Right, the inheritance that's guaranteed us. On the one hand, on the one side, it's the inheritance that everything that's God's will be ours. Think about that for a moment. As followers of Christ, as Christians, we are guaranteed an inheritance in Christ, meaning everything that is God's will be ours. Because much like when a child is adopted into a family and then everything in that family is that child's, as a child of God, you have everything that is God's. We have a foretaste of it now, but we'll f- experience it in full when we're in his, when his presence forever. But not only are, do we receive that inheritance, we are his inheritance, meaning we are his, right? We become his precious possession when we put our faith in Christ, and it's guaranteed. And what is all this? This is all to the praise and glory of God. And ultimately, that's the outcome of all this. That God gets the credit, God gets the glory, God gets all of this. And so as we think about this, we come back over all this, we see that here in this passage is this life-giving reminder, right, that because of Christ, that we, we can be included in God's family as his precious possession forever. Forever. Do you think about your faith in that way? Do you think about your relationship with God in that way? Do you think of, when you think of God, let me return that. When you think of what God thinks of you, what, what do you think, how do you think he thinks about you? Someone asked me that question. It's at the beginning of a wonderful book uh, called Surrender to Love by, his last name is Benner. And he asked, when you think about God, what do you think he thinks about you? We can have lots of answers to that. But we see in Christ, his answer is, I love you. You are precious to me. And here we read in this passage, we're reminded that we are his precious possession forever. And so this undergirds so much of my understanding of Christ and who God is. I know for me at points when I've doubted, I've had lots of doubts over the years and had to wrestle those doubts and questions down with God. And when I felt, am I worthy of God? Is this perfect God, am I worthy of him? I've had to come back to this again and again 
to be reminded that I am his precious possession forever. Despite my mistakes, despite my sins, that I am marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, guaranteed to have that inheritance as his precious possession. And so my prayer is that that be the case for you. Whatever you're facing today, whatever you've faced in your life, whatever doubts or questions you have about your relationship with God, that God has made this way for you to be included in his family as his precious possession forever. Right, so what does this mean for us? First, there's bad news and there's good news in this passage. Right, you have to go with the bad news first. The, right, the bad news is that none of us are perfect. And as Mike prayed before, and before a perfect God, before a perfect Father, a God who's f- full of light and no darkness, all of us who have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, all of us are separated from God. None of us are perfect. I invite you to do something different. I don't know if you've ever done this. Turn to your neighbor, someone next to you, and look at them and say, I'm not perfect. Do that. Now turn back to that neighbor and say, I already knew that. You laugh because it's true, right? Especially those that, with whom we're close. Like, they know we're not perfect. And, uh, and the good news is that in the church, hopefully we all get to a point that we can laugh it off and realize it's okay. None of us are perfect. Right? We may put on masks. We may put on a, a, an outside look that everything is fine and happy, especially on Sunday mornings, but we're all struggling in different ways. And a lot of those struggles involve real sin. Sin, which defined by the Bible is when we fail to do Uh, what God has commanded and called us to do, both by what we do and what we fail to do. All of us fall short, all of us sin, right? And so the bad news is because of our sin, we're separated from God, right? And we're left apart from him unless God intervenes, right? But in this passage, not only as we look at this passage, you see this bad news that because of sin, that we are an outsider, we are excluded out of God's family, but that God didn't leave it that way, right? God loves us so much that he, that he, he brought the solution, and that solution was through his son, Jesus, right? Jesus who came, and he lived the life, the perfect life that we couldn't live. None of us are perfect, right? None of us are perfect in obedience to God. But Jesus perfectly lived out the commands to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and straight strength. He lived out the command to love your neighbor as yourself. He did not sin. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. And because all of us have sinned, and when you sin, when, let's take a normal example in life. If you break the law, you have to pay a penalty. If you go out there and speed and get caught, you have to pay a penalty, a speeding ticket. Right? And so same thing with God's commands, right? God's laws. When we break any of his laws, we have to pay a penalty. And that penalty is a broken relationship with God. Not only now, but forever. But Jesus... Right, the good news of Jesus, the good news of the Bible, the good news of Christianity is that Jesus is the only one who lived the perfect life so that he alone, he alone, could stand up and say, I'll take that penalty. And I'll take that penalty for everyone. And he took that penalty for us by dying, crucified on a Roman cross. Right, and was buried away in the ground. And on the third day, though, was resurrected from the dead, proving that he was who he said he was. And in that, over, in that resurrection, he overcame sin, he overcame evil, he overcame death itself. 
And as we read in this passage, everyone who believes this message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, is marked by the Holy Spirit, included in God's family as his precious possession forever. All right, so this is the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I feel like right out of the gate, I need to just make that clear in terms of what that core belief is. And that everything that I will be preaching will be operating out of this identity in Christ, this core belief of who we are and that relationship with him and what Christ has done for us um, in this good news. And so coming back to the essence of being excluded, uh, the church is a place that where we can include others, others who feel like outsiders, those who feel like they've been excluded and are outsiders. I think about my life coming back to that time, going full circle to that story when I felt excluded on on that time during freshman year in high school. And where did I find a place of feeling included? Right here, in this church family. Right in that time of confusion, that time of feeling lost, that time of feeling like, where are my friends? Where am I gonna find a place? Where am I gonna find a home? It was this church family, our church family. Right, it was... Salt groups, it was retreats, it was worship services where God came, and his word came to life for me. And so as you think about that, I think about those who helped me feel included. Some of you are in this room or watching online right now. I say thank you. And then now that's the past, but let's look towards the future. My question to you today is, do you ever wonder, right, do you ever wonder if you're making a difference when you serve in our children's or student ministry? I want to say the answer is yes. Yes. And so for those who are serving, right, with children, those who have served with students, you are making a difference. You've made a difference in my life, and you're making a difference in the lives of children and students since then, and you're making a difference in the lives of children and students going forward. Right? This is, the church is the primary place for people to both receive and embrace the love of God. And it begins at the earliest ages. And it's going to happen this week, right, as VBS is back. And so for those of you who are helping out in terms of serving with VBS, thank you. You are going to share the love of Christ with the little ones. For the students who are going to be a part of this Jersey mission trip, whether if you're helping along and serving with those students, and the students who are together are going to experience that love of Christ, thank you. It's in the church where we could experience that love of God. And it doesn't just involve children and students. It involves adults as well. And we're going to continue to explore that as a church family, what that means in terms of small groups and ways to connect, that we can all help one another experience and embrace the love of Christ. And then in turn, share that love with not only with one another, but out into our community. And so as we finish, I have a couple things to share in terms of one thing to remember and one thing to do. One thing to remember from this sermon is remember this, that God adopts us into his family as his precious possession forever when we believe in Christ. Again, he includes us in his family as his precious possession forever. Um, and so in light of that, one thing to do, right, if, is either come home to our church family or find a way to help others find a home here with New Providence Presbyterian Church. Right, as you hear this, uh, my continued prayer and goal in working with the leadership of our church is to have this be that home, that place for those who feel excluded, left out, and lost, that they would know that there is a God who loves them 
And that God can be known and experienced through the body of Christ, through a church family. And so, if again, like I said last week, I'm gonna keep putting this invite out. If you don't have a church family and you're visiting with us, whether in person or online, come home. It's either come back home if you've been a part of our church family or come home here for the first time. And for the rest of us, our role is to help others feel at home here. And so look for those who look lost, those who look like they're disconnected or if you've realized that someone's not here that you've known in the past and if they haven't found a new church home, welcome them home. That's something we could all do together. And so I want to give you three questions to reflect on whether over lunch or later today or sometime this week and they're gonna be up on the screen and so one way to do is once all three questions go up you can snap a picture with your uh, with your phone or these questions will be listed on our Facebook page first question is when have you felt excluded and how did that feel along with that is when have you felt included and how did that feel I ask that you reflect on that this week as you think about your life and others second question To what extent have you embraced the gift of the new family of Jesus, meaning the church? And just take a moment this week and really be honest with God and honest with yourself and even honest with others. And say, to what extent? Maybe it's coming back after after the pandemic. Maybe it's you've lost track. But what extent have you really embraced the new family of Jesus, that God has created this new family? And it's something that's even beyond just Sunday, no doubt beyond Sunday mornings, that becomes a way of life and being connected into the body of Christ. And lastly, how can you specifically play a role with including others and helping them find a home with New Providence Presbyterian Church? I want you to reflect on that this week and be praying and asking God, um, what's the specific role you can play? And again, some of you are diving right in this week, helping out with VBS, helping out with the student mission trip. And as we look towards the fall and thinking, what does it look like we have to relearn how to be church after the pandemic. And so what specific role is God asking you to play and to help others feel at home? And here's the interesting part of the church. As you help others feel at home, guess what? You feel more at home. Right? As you serve and love others and give of your time and talents, that's when you feel that connection to God and others. And so I place, plant that seed because as we get towards the end of August and into September, we're going to have opportunities for you to consider. And knowing that we're all busy, that we have to make time, create time to make that connection, not only to help others feel at home, again, for us to feel at home as well. So that's the next move. Not a dance move, but another move. So I invite you to say those words again. Let's dance. Let's dance. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this incredible truth. God, that you did not leave us on our own. You did not leave us separate from you, but you sent Jesus. And Jesus made the way for us to be included in your family as your precious possession forever. God, I pray that this awe-inspiring truth would take hold of our hearts. For some, for the first time today, others renewing this and reviewing this. Oh, God, Impress upon us the extent of your love through this truth that we've considered here. And show us, Lord, not only how we could either come home uh, or help others feel at home with our church family in the weeks and months and even years ahead. We give ourselves to you.
And now as we come to this time of the Lord's Supper and time of communion, meet us, Lord, with your love and grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.